you hear a knock on the door and open it to find two friendly representatives from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, otherwise known as the Mormon Church. So what will you say? Will you send them away without a Christian witness? Or will you engage them in a meaningful and Christ-honoring conversation? If you desire the latter, may we suggest the book, Answering Mormon's Questions, by Mormonism Research Ministries' Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson. Answering Mormon's Questions is available wherever you find quality Christian books. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Back in 1990, specifically, it was April of 1990, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints held its general conference in downtown Salt Lake City. There was a talk that was given by Gordon B. Hinckley. Now, at this time, Gordon B. Hinckley was the first counselor in the First Presidency. He would later on become a president in the LDS Church. But he gave a talk titled, Keeping the Temple Holy. It was a specific message for male members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It was given in a general priesthood meeting on a Saturday night, and so he is only speaking to male members at this time. In this talk, he really exposes his faith as being a works-based religion. I know sometimes when we talk to our LDS friends and acquaintances, many times they want to tell us that they're saved by grace and it's not by works. If there's any message that would dispel that myth, I think this message given by Gordon B. Hinckley called Keeping the Temple Holy would certainly qualify. So we're going to go through this message and just critique some of the things that he has to say. But Eric, would you agree, as we were going through this message line by line, that it would be very difficult for a Latter-day Saint to defend the position that their salvation is based on grace, at least the understanding that we as evangelicals have regarding grace. No, I think you're right, and we're going to be talking about such things as credit cards and temple recommends and what's required. So, yeah, I think you're exactly right on this. As we start this series, I think the question should be asked and answered, what specifically is a temple recommend, and why is it that Latter-day Saints see this recommend as something that they need to qualify for? I don't think a lot of Christians understand this aspect of Mormonism. They may have heard of the phrase temple recommend, but do they really understand its importance in the whole scheme of things when it comes to Mormonism? He starts off his talk by saying, Brethren, I commend to you that which we have heard from those who have spoken to us this evening. We have received much of counsel and inspiration applicable to both men and boys. He continues on a number of occasions in years past, I have directed my remarks in these priesthood meetings to those of the Aaronic priesthood. 
This evening, if they will excuse me, I have chosen to address the men with the hope that there may be some long-term value for the young men. Now, we should explain what he is talking about when he says Aaronic priesthood, because when we as Christians hear that phrase, we immediately think of the Old Testament. You had to be a son of Aaron to hold the Aaronic priesthood. Before the temple was built, they would serve in the tabernacle, and then once the temple was built in Jerusalem, they would serve in that capacity as well. You had to be a son of Aaron. If you were not a son of Aaron, you could not have the Aaronic priesthood. This is clearly one of many areas in which the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints diverges from the biblical message even though they want to insist that what they do in their church is a restoration of things done previously. You do not have to be a son of Aaron to hold the Aaronic priesthood in Mormonism. In fact, even if you are an Aaronic priesthood holder, you don't even do the same functions that the Aaronic priest did in the Old Testament. There is no comparison between the two. And then Gordon B. Hinckley, he says, I hold before you two credit cards. Most of you are familiar with cards such as these. And then he's going to explain what these two cards are. The first is a bank credit card. It permits me to secure merchandise on credit and then pay for my purchases at one time. It is a valuable thing and something to be safeguarded. If stolen and dishonestly used, it could cause me great loss and perhaps considerable embarrassment. In accepting it from my bank, I enter into a contract and become bound by obligations and agreements. In accepting the card, I agree to meet the conditions under which it was issued. Now, it seems very clear from what Mr. Hinckley is saying here that we're going to move into these requirements and conditions that he just mentioned. He said, I enter into a contract and become bound by obligations and agreements. As he says in accepting the card, I agree to meet the conditions under which it was issued. He continues, it is issued for one year only and must be reissued each year if I am to enjoy the privileges afforded by it. It is not really mine. The bank retains ownership. If I fail in my required performance, then the bank may shut off the credit and repossess the card. Now, when he says that his credit card is issued for one year only and must be reissued each year, let's bear in mind, this is a talk that was given in April of 1990. Now, I'm sure that all of us who have ever used credit cards know that they are now issued for a number of years. Many times your credit will determine how many years you are allowed to have that before it's reissued. But then he holds up another card, and he describes it this way. The other card which I have is what we call a temple recommend. It represents a credit card with the Lord, making available to me many of his greatest gifts. The bank card is concerned with things of the world, the recommend with things of God. Now, the word gifts is used by Gordon B. Hinckley, and that can also be very confusing for us as evangelical Christians. The reason being is normally we look at the word gift as being a one-way transaction. When somebody gives you a gift, it's usually not expected that the person who receives the gift has to give something in return for that gift. Not so in Mormonism. Now, there are some things that are called gifts in Mormonism that are definitely a one-way transaction. 
The gift of salvation by grace, for instance, in Mormonism, is given as a one-way transaction. But that phrase, salvation by grace, needs to be defined. And when we define salvation by grace, we find that the LDS people do not define that phrase the same way that we would as New Testament Christians. This would refer more to resurrection from the dead. And that doctrine states that all of humankind is going to be resurrected from the dead. It doesn't matter what they believed. It doesn't matter what they did during their mortal life. Everyone is going to be raised from the dead. This has been described as salvation by grace. There's nothing that you have to do in order to receive this. Everyone will receive it. But when it comes to other gifts, and I should mention the most important gift in Mormonism, of course, would be exaltation or godhood, because those terms are used synonymously. Exaltation, godhood, another term that is used is eternal life. But yet in all three of these terms, something must be done by the one who receives the gift in order to get that gift. You see, the offer is absolutely free, but the gift itself is not absolutely free. And, and Gordon B. Hinckley makes that very clear in another conference message that he gave in 1993. He said this, To my eternal Father, I give thanks for the, that essence of divinity which is within each of us, and for the gift of life which comes from him. I thank my Redeemer for his supreme gift to all, the gift of eternal life. And that's found in the Inside Magazine, November 1993, page 53. And then we also have this statement from Mormon Apostle David B. Haight, and this was also given in a conference message titled, The Sacrament and the Sacrifice, which can be found in the Ensign Magazine for November of 1989, page 61. He said, Immortality comes to all of us as a free gift by the grace of God alone, without works of righteousness. Eternal life, however, is the reward for obedience to the laws and ordinances of his gospel. And then we have Neil Maxwell, who also served as an apostle in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, in the Church News, dated September 4th, 1999, this can be found on page 5, it was a, an article titled, Sharing Testimony About the Atonement, Maxwell said, Christ gave us freely an enormous and unconditional gift, the universal resurrection. However, Christ's proffer of the further gift of eternal life is conditional. Now, I think it's important to notice the distinction that he makes in describing these two gifts. One is free, the other is given conditionally. It's offered free, but the gift itself can only be given to the individual if they meet certain expectations. Now, when you consider that most faithful Latter-day Saints aren't looking merely for the resurrection from the dead, that's not anything that I hear Mormons say they're excited about, they're looking forward to exaltation, or at least the hope of receiving exaltation. And you can be pretty sure if you ask them that they know this can only be received if they do certain things during their lifetime. Yeah, one more quote I want to give you is from 17th President Russell M. Nelson in an um, article that he wrote for the Ensign Magazine, February 2003, on page 24. Thanks to the atonement, the gift of immortality is unconditional. 
The greater gift of eternal life, however, is conditional. In order to qualify, one must deny oneself of ungodliness and honor the ordinances and covenants of the temple. I think it's very clear we have two different types of salvation, the unconditional, the atonement. Everybody receives that because of what we did and accomplished in the preexistence by accepting Jesus as the Savior. But the one that is most meaningful, as you're talking about, Bill, is being with your family forever. Exaltation, celestial glory, eternal life, all synonymous terms. That's the goal. At least that's what the leaders want you to believe is the goal for your life. And another thing we should mention is it's not only being with your family that most Latter-day Saints are looking forward to, but that part of the atonement that they need in order to be with their family is the forgiveness of their sins. You don't get the forgiveness of your sins merely because you're resurrected from the dead. That does not make that a possibility. Your forgiveness of sins is dependent on your ability to live all the commandments and to repent of all those sins in a consistent manner. I think this sometimes is not clearly understood by most New Testament Christians when they're talking to their LDS friends. Personally, I don't see many Latter-day Saints offering that kind of information unless I specifically ask. They usually want to keep it pretty generic. Well, we're looking for exaltation. Yes, they might admit that they want to become a god in the next life, although that's something you don't always hear from Latter-day Saints. But they will say, as you mentioned, Eric, they do have that hope of being with their families in the next life. But again, that's contingent on their ability to live all the commandments, not just part of the commandments or the commandments that they choose to keep. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.